electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Yes, we are live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York's Times Square, where there's about a billion people. This is Fast Money. I am Brian Sullivan. Happy Friday. Your traders on the desk tonight are Christian Fromhertz, Gina Sanchez, Tony Zhang, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, the record rally comes to an end, at least for the NASDAQ, ending its 11-day win streak. But will it end more than just that? We'll get some answers about the market and your money ahead. Plus, from worst to first, Energy could be the standout sector as we head into the new year, but our 2020 playbook offers one very scary prediction. And later, there's been a lot of talk about Netflix being the best-performing S&P 500 stock for the past decade. But now let's get nasty. Can you name the worst? We can. We're going to name names on the absolute dog of the decade. All right, all that ahead, but we begin with major headwinds for American Airlines. Shares of AAL tumbling today after Wolf Research said the company likely will not meet guidance for the next year. American has hit some major turbulence over the last couple of years. Its fleet of Boeing Max planes remain grounded. It's underperforming rivals like Delta, and it is far underperforming one of the most specific airline stock ETFs, ticker Jets. Look at that chart. American's the white line. It's the wrong direction. So does this stock, American Airlines, Gina, deserve a ticket out of our portfolio or into our portfolio? So I think it's rough for American Airlines. If you look at the forward, the aggressive forward guidance, it wasn't that aggressive. They're looking at, you know, four, four and a half percent growth. American Airlines for the last decade has grown zero percent. If you look at Jets, Jets has been pushed by Alaska Airlines and Southwest. Those have been the only profitable airlines, super profitable airlines this past decade. And if you look at the IATA, they're expecting actual airline profitability to continue to decline. It peaked out at 2015. It's still positive, but it's been going in the wrong direction. I the airlines, Dan, were making all this money, baggage fees, fees to board first. Seems like some of the airlines have done great. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I think the majors, like you mentioned, they still underperform the market pretty broadly. So American is down 25% from its 52-week highs, and that's still significantly below its all-time highs, where you have Delta is acting a bit better. It's up on the year. So the performance of the whole industry is pretty mixed. And I think with American in particular of the majors, they've given us guidance about what that max shutdown means for them, and they keep inching it up every month or every quarter. They seem to talk about it, and that seems to be something that's probably weighing on the stock as we go into 2020 with all the uncertainty when that plane gets back. So to me, whether it deserves to when make the it, plane, when the plane, when the plane, plane. whether it deserves to kind of make it into your portfolio in 2020, I say this is not the sort of market where we, people want to buy the laggards and just look at some of the stuff that's working in tech and financials. You want to buy the stuff that's been working. At least that's been the ride the momentum. Because I mean, Christian, listen. The reality is, we we almost never open up fast money. Talk about American Airlines. The right. reason we are is that so many stocks are so high trying to find some opportunities for our audience on names that have not performed well, that are maybe inexpensive. Dan doesn't like it, says the trend is not your friend. Your take on AAL? I, I mean, I get it, right, with, with the note that they're putting out today. But have any of you been to the, air, to the airports recently? I mean, they're packed. So I'm not sure that I would necessarily agree with the Wolf report. But 
I think it's just too hard of a, to Dan's point, it's just too hard of a trade. Just because they're down and they could be the next group that goes up, I just think they're too hard and there's other places that I would put my money at this point. So I'll play contrarian here. I actually quite like this trade from a technical setup. You know, this stock is down almost 50% from its all-time highs, but you've got this inverted head and shoulders forming right now just around the $30 level, I think is a key line in the sand that I think if it can get above that $30 level, I think you get a nice rally here in this particular stock. But if, if that $30 yeah. level is breached and, and then becomes support and then we see the movement. Exactly. That neckline of that, on that okay. inverted head and shoulders. So watch 30. watch 30. Yeah. Watch 30. Okay. So let's turn now to the broader market. And like even the best baseball hitters out there, all hot streaks eventually end. Stocks are no exception. The Nasdaq snapping an 11-day win streak, but the S&P 500 and Dow did eke out some record closes once again. And there has been one big standout in the last couple of days, consumer stocks. That is the, one of the consumer discretionary ETFs, the XLY, and you guessed it, hitting another all-time high during the day before pulling back just a tad. Now, Christian thinks the broader rally is about to run off the charts. He will head over to the plasma and he'll break down the consumer discretionaries. Do your thing, Christian. Sir, consumer discretionary stocks, uh, another leader of the market. Uh, you could see that from this chart, even though it's up 30% year to date, uh, it's just recently broken out. Now, part of that, which I want to talk a little bit about Amazon, Amazon's 23% of the ETF. So you kind of have to ask uh, to, to address Amazon in this trade. So Amazon just, just starting to get going. I think they were, they were fueled by the, uh, the holiday sales, which is a catalyst that I think you really you know, needed to, to, to get Amazon going. So what I really like here, if we, if we go ahead and draw a couple charts, uh, draw a couple lines in here for Amazon, um, you could see that we've got this nice range that we've got going on here. And you could see that we've got support touching many places along here. And we're just breaking out. So it's a little bit different than the overall market, which has broken out for the last couple weeks. Um, that push by Amazon and some of the helpers in this name, we were just talking about the airlines. But if you look at the hotels, which are part of the consumer discretionary ETF, you know, have completely broken out. Next, what I, what I want to do is I want to take a look at consumer discretionary vers versus consumer staples. You know, I think that is a good representation of, oops, we'll hit clear here that out, uh, is a good representation of risk on markets. When consumer discretionary XLY breaks out from XLP, you've got a nice risk on market. So right now, if you can, uh, you know, if, you, if we take a look at this pattern, I like what Carter Worth likes to say. You could draw the lines any, any way you want. In this sense, I will draw them. And you've got a similar line of support in here, somewhat straight line. And then you've got one over here as well. So I see uh, what is setting up to be a nice breakout and a move higher. And of course, we know where this. Whoops, we know where this isn't going to work um, if it starts to break down here. So I think this is setting up uh, for a really nice breakout. And if you look at consumer um, in general and look at all the areas that are breaking out, you look at the restaurants, uh, you look at the hotels, and you look at some of the smaller areas of consumer dis discretionary. With Amazon now pushing forward, I think you got a nice-looking uh, bullish trade going forward. All right, good stuff there, Christian. Why don't you come back over to the desk? Let's trade this. My only beef. With the XLY, as again, you got to know what you own. Four stocks are 41%. Amazon is 23%. you are basically buying Amazon that's the and good McDonald's. News. So that's, this is the good news for XLY. Because Amazon is almost 24% of that ETF, because it's been basing for the last few months, because it just broke out on what is perceived to be good fundamental news, that's why you want to play that XLY for a breakout, especially if we're in the sort of market where we get into 2020 and it's like the start of 2018, where it's a risk-on sort of market. You want to go for growth. You want to go for that 
momentum and Amazon could be the thing that breaks the XLY out. I'll just make one point about the XLP. I agree with your charting. That is a wedge. It's going to go one way or the, uh, or the other. But if XLY meaningfully breaks out, I would suspect XLP consumer staples deemed to be somewhat defensive, trading at pretty high multiples for the group. That probably underperformed. So I'd, I think it could be a good pairs trade. Long XLY, short XLP. Yeah, and consumers have been super strong all, all together in 2019. I think you're still going to see that. Amazon, the, the price movement yesterday, I think, is constructive of all of this. But I think as far as XLY goes, you have a lot of um, strength here in this particular uh, in this particular sector. But I think you need Mostly to be really... driven by Amazon, though. I mean, I think well, that's hold on. the but one. Starbucks is in there, which is up like, 36%. Well, so Amazon, Home Depot, which, by the way, no one, Home Depot is 10%. Not, nobody bought Tim's fast pitch on Home Depot last night. I think it's Nike, Starbucks... McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. So you're I, really buying that. I just think you have to be careful because there are, there are some subsectors in this particular space that are underperforming, like automobiles. But I think retail, like you said, hotels, leisure, these are all strong performers right. in this particular and, sector. And the double-edged, Amazon is a double-edged sword, right? Because one of the things that makes Amazon great is that they've been growing into their overvaluation, but they still actually have a very healthy valuation, which actually makes consumer discretionary look overvalued. They're actually the third most overvalued sector for the last decade because of Amazon. Amazon is feeding a lot of that. But they also had the second best earnings over the last decade as well, right? And that earnings is continuing. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It makes them overvalued. So it makes it growthier than it should be. And I think cloud is also a concern here, whether or not, I mean, we see the strength in Microsoft dominating this space, the Pentagon deal. I think this is all headwinds for Amazon. And, and I think the stock price over the last few years reflects that. You know, that's an interesting point. I do wonder, as AWS grows, and we don't really and know all the numbers, and is Amazon growing. really a consumer stock if they yeah. make more money from the cloud They're making money from advertising than they do from cloud. their actual core business? Are they a consumer stock? They're going to stop being a consumer. Well, I think I mean, they listen, might already guys, not be they have two hundred billion dollars. That you know, yeah, but most of their sales 51%. come from. percent. It used That's to be seventy percent. Right. So here's one thing I just say about Amazon: the trade setup into the new year. Over the last two quarters, the company has missed lowered guidance and then guided. Or excuse me, they've beaten lower guidance. Okay, so the headline number is a beat, and then they guide down for the current quarter. And so what I would say is. Based on that move right here, it seems like some investors feel pretty confident that they're going to beat their Q4 guidance that was low, right? And now it depends as they go into a seasonally soft quarter. When you look at how much their sales decline sequentially into Q1, what can they do there? Is that where the cloud makes up for it? Because you know they're not going to pick up a lot as far as retail sales in Q1. Yeah. And that, and that breaks up, you know, brings up a good point is we're, we're going to be coming upon earnings season, right? In the last two quarters that they've had, they've been a little bit duddish, very technical term, but, but it is what it is. They're going to have to deliver into this quarter, kind of using the delivery, you know, to say that, hey, I mean, the amount of boxes that we've seen in terms it, it, of it, The fundamentals are great, Amazon, no one doubts them, but I actually wrote this about a year and a half ago on CBC.com. The one thing I think, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, please, when you own Amazon stock, you do have to have a margin of risk, a risk reversal, if you will, for a tweet for the president in the DOJ's crosshairs, any kind of anti it's not. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is floating around there as much or more than any other company. No? And that's held it back, I think. As you well. think it has? The, the regulatory concern is one of the things that has held Amazon back. Because Bezos and Trump are such buddies. Yeah. All right. Coming up, let's call this the dog of the decade. Do you know the worst performing stock in the S&P 500 the last 10 years? We showed you the best yesterday. What's the worst? 
Leave us your guesses at CNBC Fast Money. Some people already got it, to be honest with you, because I put it out on Twitter. We're going to reveal the answer. You guys are so smart. All right, speaking of the worst, energy, the worst of the worst performing sectors this year. But is it set to really fire up in 2020? It's got some positive momentum now. Will that roll on as the calendar does? We're going to find out. Stick around. You're watching Fast Money. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. As you all know, energy has had a rough run in 2019. Really, it's had a rough decade. Still the worst performing sector this year. But what lies ahead? Here's what to watch for in 2020. Stagnant oil prices, heavy corporate debt loads, and environmentally conscious investors selling oil and gas stocks absolutely slammed the energy industry in 2019. All this as the U.S. reached a major milestone, becoming a net exporter of crude and petroleum products for a full month for the first time in 70 years. All this as the race for another kind of element, the so-called rare earth minerals, just began to heat up. Here's what to watch for in energy in 2020. First, a wave of bankruptcies. Unless oil prices rise, the industry and investors may have to endure a number of reorganizations. Many companies are struggling with huge amounts of debt, built up when oil prices were on the rise. And unless oil jumps in price, Wall Street is unlikely to let companies refinance or extend their obligations. Second, international resources shift. Venezuela likely loses control of Sitco. After years of courtroom battles between a hedge fund and the government of Venezuela, the final battle likely comes in 2020. And it's possible the courts ultimately rule against Venezuela, allowing Sitco to be seized, auctioned off, and bought by an American company or companies. And third, the race for rare earth minerals goes full throttle. If you want to build an environmentally sensitive project like an electric car or a wind turbine, you need rare earth elements. These are obscure but incredibly important minerals like lithium, neodymium, and yttrium. China controls most of the world's supplies for these critical elements, but there are many projects in the works to help the U.S. catch up. This will be the battleground to watch in 2020. All right, so let's kick it around here. I mean, that was a great piece. It was really well. That, I mean, was, that awesome. was really Brian, terrifically best written. Best piece of the year. Well done. Well said. Where is energy headed, Dan, in 2020? It's a tough one. You know, I think crude oil bounced off of 50 a few times over the last six months, um, and obviously that seemed to be a really big uh, technical support level. I look at the major integrateds. I look at Exxon. I think uh, Gene was talking about it last night. It's up 5% off its recent lows. It just can't get going. Chevron can't really get going. The ones you talk about, the ones that risk going bankrupt in 2020, 
2020, those are the ones that really have moves because of the leverage to the balance sheet. But I think you avoid those. So to me, I look at the integrated and I say, I don't really see a lot of hope for the equities near term unless you meaningfully get a massive move in crude and in you're not going to get a massive I think the expectation for crude is so far beyond what it's capable of because you hear oh OPEC's cutting cutting production this is going to be great but if you you look you also see demand has been slowing as well which means production cuts have to be like a lot bigger than they're going to be I think that we're going to end but, up disappointing. But just remember you know OPEC they cut production but Saudis were cutting more than their quota if they actually went back to their quota level yeah. In some ways, they could produce more. Yeah, absolutely. There's sort of a trick of math there. Right. Just, it's right. a little bit confusing, yeah. but, but that's all you need cut to know. 130%. Yeah, we, we, have the, we have the biggest oil field in the world get bombed two months ago, mm-hmm. and Not oil barely budged. Yeah. Not even a blip. So I don't think oil is going to get past meaningfully, past 60, 65. And I think this XLE move getting above that 200-day moving average is very tempting to, to pick a bottom here. But if you look at oil prices, I don't see this thing moving higher. I think the only time, the only place that makes some sense are some of the oil names that have reduced their leverage, like Enbridge. Um, those are the only names that I'm You're I talking about midstream. Now you're talking about pipelines. Exactly. And pipelines are a different beast. Right. Hey, Christian, any view on the MLPs? Yeah, I mean, that I was just going to go there with the, with the MLPs. We saw a nice uh, bullish divergence a couple weeks back. So they've really rallied off the lows. We've seen a lot of bullish option activity. That would be one space that I would look at, the yield. You know, you look at the AMLP ETF is about 9%. So you can get a nice yield there. But, you know, I agree with what you guys are saying. It's bounced. Now you've got the heavy lifting, XLE at the 200-day moving average. Now is really where they're going to have to prove themselves. I like the material space a little bit better. Technically, it's breaking out. I yeah. think it's a better looking. Yeah, I talked to a hedge fund manager. He liked enterprise transfer. I think he was long enterprise transfer, short Kinder Morgan, effectively the same company. But because Kinder Morgan was in the S&P 500, the va- he felt the valuations were above where they should be because it's being bought by all the ETFs and all the people buying the SPY. And he's like, I like to look for the oil and gas stocks like the ETPs, enterprise transfer, that are not representative of these major index. But I think the leverage comment is absolutely right. That's what killed a lot of the MLPs is they were just destroyed by their leverage. Right. And so I think that's been sort of one of the bigger, bigger ways of differentiating. Yeah. According to my math, I've run spreadsheets from Capital IQ data, $646 billion in debt, gross debt for the industry on $71 billion in net income. That's still going to be a problem going forward. And I think this, if anything, is a potential opportunity to sell XLE. Okay, sell the XLE. All right, speaking of energy, nobody likes it, but there's been so much to talk about with Netflix being the best stock of the decade. So we asked you. Can you name the worst-performing S&P 500 stock over the last 10 years? Some of you got it. It's an energy name, Apache. It's down 75% from the beginning of the decade. It has lost over 70% of its market cap since then, almost $26 billion in market value. Remember, there have been worse stocks, but this is one that's been in the index. This was the stock, Gina, that we did the return to sender stock. You said you wish you could have returned this one. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we have a very robust energy portfolio, so we get all all shapes and sizes. Um, This one, we think, is just a broken company. If you look at every metric, you look at return on equity, return on assets, they're just not efficiently running the company. And they're disappointing. We're having major disappointments. They're drilling off of Suriname. It so far um, showed a dry hole. And they're saying, hey, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing the same thing, but somehow it's going to be different, and we don't think so. Okay, Apache, the... uh the honor of being the dog of the decade. All right. For more on our 2020 playbooks and sectors that might lead the market in the new year, head over to CNBC.com. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on the television. The markets are close to capping off its best year in more than two decades. 
But can earnings growth support even more gains? And with the markets notching one new high after another, how can you protect yourself if there's a pullback coming? All that and more when we return. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. And welcome back to Fast Money. It is time for our chart of the week. And this week, the more, the merrier. It's not just one chart that Dan brought us. It's four. Well, listen, Brian, you know, we're telling a story here. And, you know, I know a picture tells a thousand words, but let's go with a thousand charts. Let's go with a thousand charts. Here's the deal. So let's start with this S&P 500. It's up nearly 30% of the year, just a few trading days left here. Um, I think what's really interesting, look at that chart right there. In late October, it broke out of that range it had been, and it's up about 7.5%, which obviously is a whole heck of a lot in a very short period of time. In that time period, have we had some kind of headwinds kind of removed? Obviously, the trade stuff has moderated a little bit. We know the Fed's still accommodative. That's kind of where I want to go next here. So this next chart is really interesting, and this is a hat tip to uh, my friend Peter Bookvar, obviously a contributor of CNBC. Um, this is the Fed balance sheet here. If you look at that, obviously it had been coming down, but at some point earlier this year, it started expanding. And I, Peter mentions that over the last four months, it's basically grown about $100 billion. So 400 total off that bottom here. And it's hard to kind of put those two together and not see that, as Peter mentioned in his note this morning, that that is not benefiting stocks. That is that balance sheet overlaid with the S&P 500 over the last six months here. Now, that's important to remember. Like I said, the trade stuff is out of the way. In the near term, the Fed is still accommodative, obviously, and some other things, I think, shape up pretty decently for stocks, especially with the calendar in the new year. But then let's go to the next chart here. And I think this is really important because when you think about this right here, this is really valuations here. And why are stocks going up? I know Gina's got a lot to say here, but at the start of 2019, the consensus for S&P earnings was up at 173, 174 bucks. And now, where does it stand right now? 163 bucks. Where was the P.E. multiple for the S&P at the start of this year? It was about 14. Where is it right now? It's pushing on 20 right now. So when you think of the confluence of all these events here, it's hard to say that the accommodative Fed in a year where earnings for the S&P are not growing from the start of this year is not having a big impact here. So as we head into 2020, I think it's really important to kind of get a sense of where you think rates are going, where you think the Fed is going with their balance sheet, and where you think S&P earnings are going because with the S&P up 30% right now, I would say that it's discounting a lot of good news into 2020. That's absolutely right. That is basically the Fed pouring the champagne, right? And everyone's drinking it. 
Fair enough. Well, we'll see what happens if the champagne dries up. All right, good stuff there. It is time for final trades already. The show goes like that. All right, let's go around the horn and get our final trade, starting with you, Christian. PayPal, bullish PayPal, just over the 200-day moving average and getting out of consolidation. I think PayPal goes higher. EYPL, Gina Sanchez. So emerging markets. Emerging markets is not nearly as highly valued as the rest of the equity complex, and this excess liquidity will help EM. All right, the, or the EEM. In that case, that's the one that you like. All right, Tony, your pick. Disney. Disney has one of the strongest contents of the streaming players, and Disney Plus is going to help them blow it out of the water. And you think Disney Plus is going to be big? Absolutely. Led by Baby Yoda. Absolutely. And this pullback to 145, great great buying, buying opportunity. Dan? Nice. Into 2020, I think you buy TLT. I think you play for lower treasury yields. I think the 10 years having trouble here at this 2% level, and I think headwinds to growth take the TLT. Higher rates, lower. All right, I like it. Lower yields, Disney, the EEM, and PayPal. That does it for us, but don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in a few minutes with options. Action. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.